The Bill Myers Show podcast is sponsored by Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. Find out more about them at clouserdrilling.com. Once again, more with Bill Meyer. Good morning. How are you? It's 11 minutes after 6. A little bit of light drizzle by the Rogue Valley International Airport. 43, 44 degrees, something like that. Pretty cool morning, and it's going to be a little drizzly today. Maybe some light rain, maybe even some light snow in the uh, higher hills. And then a little bit less of that on uh, Thursday and Friday. But that's kind of what we're looking at. And how you feeling so far on Wheels Up Wednesday? Join the conversation at 770-5633-770-KMED. Email bill at com. Pretty simple to uh, get through. Read them uh, them all. Sometimes uh, if you send a whole bunch, I just glance at them because, you know, I only have so much time. But I try to get through to as many as I can and respond to as many as I can, too. But uh, just one guy. Uh, I love when people say, hey, uh, well, I sent your staff my email. Just so you know, I am the staff. Okay, I'm my my own staff, all right? And uh, we're going to be talking with Eric Peters this morning. Wheels Up Wednesday, our normal uh, conversation about transportation and politics, always uh, good. We're also going to dig into a story about uh, former President Trump was denied immunity by a federal appeals court yesterday. What this really means, I'm going to talk with an attorney about that. At uh, 710, we'll get him on after the Hannity update. Also, State Senator Dennis Linthicum is going to be joining me 735. And we were going to move him to Conspiracy Theory Thursday because a lot of what he talks about is just perfect. You know, on where we're going on Conspiracy Theory, you know, the actual evidence of conspiracy. But it doesn't work with the uh, state legislative session. And what I would like to ask him about is, um, well, you know, you have these 10, these 10 senators and is there any talk amongst them just to because, you know, I'm saying these days that when you have a, a majority Democrat in in control of the state legislature, really all Republicans can do is obstruct and break things. In other words, when I say break things, stop the worst abuse, the worst of, of the abuse that uh, the Democrats would wish to uh, bring to us. Because let's face it, for the most part, like I've talked about with Charter changes that these groups are talking about in Jackson and Josephine County. Sign this petition. Vote for 17-116, which you don't want to do, by the way, in Joe County. If the Democrats, if if you're seeing all these uh, people from the Democratic Party that are saying, you know, the charter changes are the number one goal here. Uh, that's kind of what we call in the political world a clue that you don't want that. Okay. <laughs> Just saying, because you can see how many of the other changes for the entire rest of the state the Democrats have managed to do. They turn a lot of Oregon into uh, an excrement show. All you have to do is look at Portland, which is what happens when uh, Democrats get their way. Well, Democrats get their way in the state legislature, and Republicans are still lining up to co-sponsor and reach across the aisle. No, they should be trying to just obstruct and break things, because that's all you can do is uh, stop them from, uh, all right, you know, if you can stop a scalpel or two from uh, from cutting off uh, kids' genitals at state expense over gender-affirming care rules and laws and things like that, you're, you're doing the right thing. And that's essentially what the uh, senators were doing last time around the last session. And so you have these 10 or a number of them that are not going to be allowed to run for re-election. Ten of them will not be allowed to be uh, running for re-election. So you're not allowed to be re- running for re-election. They can't do anything more to these Republican senators. There's nothing else they can do. They could try to find them, I suppose, but there's really no way to collect. I suppose you could send the police after them, you know, send the uh, the or- the OSP to go and uh, and track them down and uh, snare them like animals and, you know, bring them in. Hey, cut Lithicum! Drag them in, you know. 
Hey, got Boquist. Boom. Kim Thatcher. Boom. No, drag him in <laughs> by their heels in there. I'm only half kidding. I'm sure that there are some Democrats who would love to see something like that happen. It'd be great TV, right? But still, essentially because of the state unions along with the Democratic Party and then uh, fooling the dim rubes of, of many of them are Oregon voters to say, well, they need to be there to do their job. While the same state unions, these public employee unions, are happy to reserve the right to strike for themselves. Don't you find that interesting? Yeah. Uh, teachers should be allowed to strike. SEIU should be allowed to strike. You know, all these other people should be allowed to strike. But uh, the senator's walking out, though. They're not doing their job. While the other uh, unions that pushed Measure 113, they're, they're allowed to not do their job. And also by the politicians who then decide their benefits and pay. Gotta love that. Yeah, that is, uh, you want to talk about the soft and hardening corruption of Oregon. That's just it. But still, they've done everything to these senators that they can. Getting back to focus on this. They've done everything they can to them possible. Why not go out in the blaze of glory and stop the crap and show the reason for this um, denial of quorum? Now, I know what will happen is that uh, you'll have uh, Republicans that are saying, you know, uh, if, if we deny quorum anymore, if we, if we stop that, then they're going to try to pass something on a ballot measure that will just take uh, the, the quorum out of the state constitution. Well, yeah, they're going to do that anyway. They're going to do that anyway. So you fight with the tools that you have right now. One of the excuses given a, a few years ago for the House uh, not walking out, well, we don't want to walk out because if we walk out, then they're, they're going to put out a ballot measure to, uh, to stop the ability to walk out. Well, yeah, so they did it anyway. You know, the, the, the corrupt Democrats will always try to get their way uh, until Oregon, Oregonians start wising up and figuring out that when the unions and the uh, Democrats are asking you to do certain things that it's bad. Just like when George Soros's people asked you to vote for Measure 110, that was bad. You have to start, you know, stop listening to these people. Stop listening to these people and stop voting for their policies. But anyway, um, but yeah, why not? Why not walk out? I don't want to put him on and ask him if he's doing that. Or, I mean, are they talking about it? Could they possibly use it? They, they can't hurt them. They can't hurt them. So if they come up, I mean, they've got hundreds of bills here for what is supposed to be a very short session. Hundreds of bills. How can you have any meaningful public comment and public input and all the rest of this? What? They, they'll give you a text message right before they do a public hearing on a bill. And then uh, the Democrats will only let uh, the Democrat supporters testify. Yeah. The senators, if they were, uh, could really actually be heroes in this particular session. And force the special session, the short session, to be just what a short session should be. Only the important budget stuff. That's all. Everything else waits for the long session. That would be for next year. And that's what you should do. You know, go out in a blaze of glory, as far as I'm concerned. Maybe there's another angle to it. But I'll ask uh, State Senator Linthicum about that. All right? All right. So we have the Trump thing. We have uh, Linthicum that is uh, coming on here. Oh, uh, by the way, the vote to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas went down 216 to 214. Yeah, because Republicans were not in agreement. There were four Republicans who defected. And 
honestly, they tended to be the more uh, conservative types, like Tom McClintock and Ken Buck. And I know Tom McClintock was uh, talking about this, and he ended up uh, putting out a, a statement about it, saying that Mayorkas had not... No, it wasn't that Mayorkas had not... Uh, okay, they didn't have a really impeachable offense on the Articles of Impeachment. Now, McClintock... Is right, I suppose. Well, no, an impeachable offense is whatever you want an impeachable offense to be. I wish that uh, that people would wise up about what an impeachment is. It's a political punishment. It's a political punishment. High crimes and misdemeanors. Not something that you could be convicted of in a uh, in a court of law. And they're saying that uh, Mayorkas is more or less just enforcing a policy from above, and so he's not committing the crime. Well, if you're not enforcing immigration law, and that's your your your, your duty when you're that secretary, then I would say you're creating an impeachable offense. So, yeah, I think he should be impeached. The point is, though, is that it's symbolic. Everybody knows it's symbolic. Just let it go. McClintock and Buck and all the rest of them just need to just let it go. You impeach him, it'll go up to the Senate and will go nowhere because of the liberal control of the Senate. It won't, it won't go anywhere. But there's at least a notice you have to have a win for the home team at some point to show the Republicans are willing to fight on something. I think these four Republicans, while perhaps legally correct, are misreading the purpose of this particular impeachment push. Okay? It's about uh, throwing down a marker and also encouraging your friends and demoralizing your enemies because all the enemies are doing right now is saying so it was just a political stunt. They couldn't even do that. They're going to try for an impeachment again, and hopefully they'll uh, convince the other. Come on, just, just just come along, all right? Notice how the Democrats are always really uh, willing to line up by party, and uh, the Republicans, there will always be some people that can peel off. Yeah, there, there could be some more principle within the Republicans. I get that. I get that, and some uh, disagreement. But in this particular case, the four, that, the four Republicans that join the Democrats are wrong, and that's why. We have that story. All right, what else do we have going on here? Real estate statistics here from Jackson County. Those came in from the uh, real estate group. And I'm not probably going to touch on that. I'll touch on that a little bit uh, later here. I, gosh, I had my, uh, my story out there. Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, you had that murder in Grants Pass yesterday? Boy, there seemed to be a lot of murders going on the last few months in southern Oregon, huh? But uh, yesterday, 4 in the morning... Guy calls 911 to rather to report that he had shot another man. So Grants Pass police respond. This was on Southeast Park Plaza, and they arrested 25-year-old Kiernan Fucci. Now, they did identify the victim of that shooting yesterday morning, 23-year-old Jonathan R. Davis, Jr. That's about all we know, you know at this point. So uh, Fucci in a Joe County lockup, second-degree murder suspicion. So that'll be going before the uh, grand jury. At least he wasn't taken in or trying to do suicide by cop or anything else. 22 after 6, 770-563-3770-KMED. Pacific Power wants to put some new power lines up in southern Oregon, this time uh, kind of going along the Foothill Road path. I'll talk a little bit about that. That story's out there along with other things. And your calls, 
This is the Bill Myers Show on KMED and KCMD. Here at American Rancher Garage, we respect and support those individuals who currently or have previously served this great country and our local communities. As a small token of our respect and appreciation for their service, we extend our heroes discount to all active or veteran military personnel and to our active or retired first responders. There is no way to completely repay your dedication to the protection of our country and communities, but we will do what we can. Another satisfied customer of Stephen Westfall Roofing, Inc. I just wanted to say how pleased we are with our new roof. All of our workers were friendly, efficient, and hardworking. From the initial phone call to the install, I feel Chester gave me great advice on the perfect roof for our home. Many of my neighbors have already told me how nice our new roof looks and how fast it went up. I was very pleased with the cleanup as well. I will highly recommend Stephen Westfall Roofing to anyone. Thanks again. William Colson, Eagle Point, Oregon. CCB number 230804. Choosing a company to drill your well is a major decision. You have a lot to consider. Experience, reputation, equipment, price, and most importantly, the finished project. Clouser Drilling stands behind their work and guarantees materials and workmanship. Quality and integrity has helped Clouser Drilling grow to be one of the largest drilling companies in the state. They provide the best overall value and make sure the job is done right. Competent and capable. That's Clouser Drilling. Call today for a free written estimate, 476-7795. Visit clouserdrilling.com. Happy New Year from everyone at Good Guys Guns. This month, all in-stock Glocks are $20 off, including Blue Label. Good Guys Guns also offers layaway plans to meet every budget. Did you know that Good Guys Guns offers professional firearm cleaning? Don't forget to sign up for their next concealed handgun class on February 11th. Good Guys Guns, the Valley's premier gun shop, 4934 Crater Lake Avenue in Medford, and online at goodguysguns.com. That's Good Guys Guns. Good Guys Guns. Hi, I'm Charlene, owner of American Industrial Door, and I'm on 106.7 KMED. Hey, any bumper music has a good cowbell. I'm good with that. <laughs> this is the Bill Myers Show, 25 minutes after 6. 770-5633 to join in. Oh, by the way, uh, Nevada had its caucus, not its caucus. No, the caucus is coming up with uh, President Trump. He'll be in that one. Uh, he was not in the primary. They actually, it's, it's kind of weird how the way they do this in Nevada. But uh, Nikki Haley won the 2024 Iowa prime, uh, the Nevada primary, pardon me, Nevada primary. So she won that uh, at 32% of the vote. So Nikki Haley gets... 32% of the vote, and 61% of the people voted none of these candidates. So none of these candidates uh, won over Nikki Haley, but Nikki Haley actually being a person ends up winning the Nevada primary, just so you know. We go to Deplorable Patrick. Hello, DP. How you doing this morning? What's on your mind? Well, good morning, Bill. I got to talk fast because I'm on my way out the door, but you mentioned this idea that if uh, Dennis Linthicum and the other two other uh, the nine other senators uh, decide to deny quorum mm-hmm. uh, said the and, and by the way just understand that would be a long reach I'm not saying that they're that they're planning this all I'm saying is that the Democrats along with the unions and the dim bulbs of the Oregon voters many uh, didn't understand the issue you know entirely 
they more or less said that you guys can't run for re-election now. Okay, well, you can't do anything to them. As far as I'm concerned, they're kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Strike me down and I will be even more powerful. You know, that kind of thing. They can't do anything to them, so why not use the tool? Do it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you, but if somebody's saying that, boy, if they walk out, we're going to send the state police out there. Uh, If they haven't broken a law, they're arrested for not breaking a law. It sounds a lot like kidnapping to me. What does it sound like to you? Uh, Well, that is kind of kidnapping. And I recall, I'm not exactly sure how there is some rule that, you know, you couldn't send the OSP out to arrest someone for for doing what the state senators were doing, you know, not showing up. Uh, but they can do it. They could do it, technically take you into custody and bring you in for a quorum. Now, it's never really been done that way. I'm just saying that it, that is technically they could do this. They could issue the order. Now, the OSP doesn't really like doing this. I just want you to let you know. I'm sure they're going on. Yeah, uh, Governor. Yeah, we're really going out and trying to find Linthicum and, uh, and Kim Thatcher and all the rest of it. We're really working hard. We just can't find them. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, we've looked everywhere. Yeah, we've looked everywhere. Yeah, we've looked everywhere. But I do recall reading a story about, uh, remember the uh, the former Oregon politician, Bob Packwood? Remember Bob Packwood? Remember him? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do recall at one point that he was dragged into the U.S. Capitol on a stretcher, I believe. And I'm going to have to look that story up. And that's something that tickled the back of my brain. But there was something about uh, a quorum or uh, that he was d- dragged in for a vote and brought in on a stretcher for that reason. And I'm going to have to look that up and uh, and and reconfirm that. But I'm, but you know I'll tell you, the uh, the le- the legislators can be some of the biggest tyrants around when it comes right down to it. But uh, you know they'll tell you, of course, that they're for freedom and democracy as always. You know how they got away with that? How's that? They got away with that because there was no Bill Meyer show and no Deplorable Patrick <laughs> then. You know that could be. That could be. But. I wanted to tell you, not that I live my life through through memes, but I appreciate a good meme because uh, a meme can be very humorous, and the tr- and and humor is the truth only quicker, right? And I love it. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the way this goes. I saw a meme, and it's an old cartoon from a few years ago, but it had a politician, a political billboard with a wolf on it, with a wolf on it in a uh, in a three piece suit, and the wolf is saying. Vote for me. And then there's a field of sheep out there around it. And uh, by the way, it says, vote for me. I will eat you. So the the wolf is saying openly, I will eat you. And then the sheep are all out there in the field. And one sheep says to another one, yeah, yeah, you know, he's, uh, yeah, he's a wolf. He says he'll eat us. But, uh, you know, at least he's our wolf. And that's kind of the way I, I thought that was an interesting comment on politics the way it goes it's like yeah yeah we know he's, he's going to eat us but uh, but at least he's our wolf he's not their wolf that kind of thing They're, that's their attempt to exempt themselves from having to do anything uh it does seem that way it does appear yeah. that is uh, that is a part of it a division of li- of labor as it were uh the thinking <laughs> being done by the politicians for the uh <laughs> the benefit of the sheep yeah right okay yep all right, I know you got to go to work, but I always appreciate you checking in, DP. All Thank right? you, Bill. Deplorable Patrick. Deplorable Patrick. Yes, I'm the wolf. I'll eat you. I promise to eat you. It's part of my campaign. And then the sheep go, I'm going to vote for him. He's honest about it. He's going to eat us, but at least, you know, he'll eat. He'll only eat one of us at a time, you know. And, you know, at least he's our wolf. As long as he's our wolf, that's all that uh, that matters. Okay? All right.
I promised I was going to mention where that power line was going to go. Rogue Valley Times. Remember, I told you that story here a few minutes ago. Rogue Valley Times reporting this morning. Pacific Power eyeing an 11-and-a-half-mile transmission line. These are power lines going from Medford to White City. And this would be following major roads, including Foothill Road and Highway 140, all right? And what this would be doing is uh, connecting... It would be known as the Lone Pine to Whetstone Line. It would stretch from a substation on Lone Pine Road. Yeah, that's the one just outside the city. Would go along a Foothill Road, turn west on 140, and snake through White City to the Whetstone Creek substation. That's across from the water treatment plant. And then it would skirt the edges of uh, Denman Wildlife Area. And they'd be putting up 100 new poles. And it'd be a 16 to $18 million bill. And people were wondering, well, why won't they put these lines underground? A lot of people have been asking that. Well, it'd be about 10 times more expensive to do that. That's why they don't do that. And I think it's actually a laudable goal that these lines would be put in for. Greater reliability and backup. If one line becomes unusable, then there's an alternative to put the juice around. And it'll be interesting to see what uh, what goes here. Uh, people will be complaining about the views, the wildlife, the property values. At the, at the same time, they always want the power on. And the state of Oregon is saying, you have to run everything. Everything has to be run on electricity. No fossil fuels. We have to have uh, windmills and solar panels everywhere. And so, well, you're going to have to have the lines to go everywhere if that is the plan. But, uh, yeah, there'll be a discussion about that within the uh, county and everything else. But I just wanted to give you a heads up on a good article in the uh, Rogue Valley Times on that, okay? 632 KMED, KCMD will catch up on the rest of the news. Wheels up Wednesday. Eric Peters will join me shortly thereafter. Are you adventure ready? Oregon Truck and Auto Authority is your source for overlanding, off-road, and outdoor lifestyle products. Featuring quality options for rooftop tents, racks, bumpers, winches, and recovery gear. LED lighting, dual battery systems, onboard compressors, cargo cases, coolers, and refrigerators. They also offer camp stoves, scuttles, fire pits, tables and chairs, so you're prepared once you've reached your destination. Stop by Oregon Truck and Auto Authority. Your Department of Adventure. Join Mark Patrick Hypnosis Seminar. Lose the weight or stop smoking. Early bird special only $49.99 guaranteed. Seminar Thursday, February 15th at the Hilton Garden Inn Hotel in Medford. Weight loss seminar 5.30 p.m. Stop smoking seminar 8 p.m. Sign up at markpatrickseminars.com. This is Lisa Stofan. Heard the Mark Patrick weight loss hypnosis hype? Well, I attended because my father stopped smoking. I lost 70 pounds and my friend lost 20 pounds in the first two months. News sponsored by Caveman Heating and Air. It's the climate and we control it. Call Caveman Heating and Air at 541-476-0009 or cavemanheating.com. Good morning. I'm Molly Smith with your NBC5 morning news update. A Grants Pass murder suspect was arrested after a deadly shooting Tuesday. According to Grants Pass Police, just after 4 a.m. yesterday morning, 25-year-old Kiernan Fucci called 911 saying he shot another man. Police arrived at the apartment on Park Plaza and found the victim dead from a gunshot wound. Fucci was arrested on several charges and will be arraigned today. The victim has been identified as 23-year-old Jonathan R. Davis Jr. And the Grants Pass City Council is set to discuss public safety funding again at a meeting today. The council has narrowed their options down to a sales tax, a food and beverage tax, or a utility fee to help fully staff the police and fire departments. 
The city has put a number of funding options on the ballot over the past several years, all of which were voted down. Grants past Mayor Sarah Bristol says none of those options require a public vote. The council will make a decision on funding by July. And rebuilding has begun on the Oldsrood Family Community Playground in Medford's Bear Creek Park. Construction is now underway on the toddler side of the playground. Almost exactly a year ago, that part of the playground was destroyed in what police believe to be arson. The new renovations include reinstalling the rubberized tires, upgrading the toys and equipment, and adding new fence posts and lights. Construction is expected to finish by late March. And that's a look at your morning headlines. For NBC5 News, I'm Molly Smith. Millet Construction has been a general contractor for 40 years. For the last 20 years, they've specialized in foundation repair and replacement. If you have sloping floors, cracks in walls, and windows and doors that are hard to open, you have a foundation problem that's only getting worse. At Millet Construction, they not only fix your foundation and level your house, they solve the water problem that's causing the damage. Get on solid ground. Call Millet Construction for a free estimate. Visit MilletConstruction.com. CCB number 32787. Hi, it's John at Wellburns Weapons. The only thing better than shooting is shooting with a suppressor. Wellburns is Southern Oregon's suppressor headquarters, stocking models from Silencer Code, Dead Air, Griffin Armament, Rugged, Q, Thunderbeast, and many more. And we can order practically any suppressor on the market. Check in with us for monthly incentives to save on suppressors too. Come see the suppressor experts. Wellburns Weapons on Crater Lake Highway, just south of White City. Six three KMED ninety nine three KCMD and this is the Bill Meyer Show. The wheels up Wednesday. By the way, Eric Eric Peters uh, from EPAutos.com, a listener contributed that that bumper. Good stuff. Yeah, put that together with that uh, with BTO. It's great. To, I think we'll have to have a series of these, all with these uh, these great just jamming tunes, you know, like the Highway Stars. I mean, there's just a lot of great rock songs from the 70s and 80s, I think, that really fit what you're always yeah, talking today about. Today, I'm, I'm more in the mood for Celine Dion. Oh, okay. Well, let me uh, pull up Celine Dion then. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so we have Celine Dion then instead of BTO. Uh, to, to what shall we have uh, the theme from Titanic? All right. Uh, there must be something going on then. Uh, well, well, tell me, yep. you'd rather hear Celine Dion than BTO. That is different. That does not normally strike me as uh, an EP Autos kind of deal. Well, it's kind of appropriate. You probably remember the movie from the 90s with Leonardo DiCaprio. We all saw it uh, about the story of the Titanic and what happened to it. And uh, if you'll remember when it hit the iceberg at first, nobody on the ship except for a couple of the officers realized exactly what was going on. And most of the people thought... Uh, all was well. They were playing with ice on the deck. And then fast forward a little bit as the ship got lower and lower in the water, all of a sudden the panic set in. And it's kind of like, ooh, this was... is, uh, yeah, this is really a problem. And yep. and you're thinking that the Titanic story is the equivalent of what in the automotive yes, world? Yes, I think, I think the EV, the great ship EV, uh, is now at the point that the Titanic was when the Foxhole dipped below the water. Um, It's getting ready to do its death plunge, I think. Uh, The signs are afoot everywhere. The latest sign is that uh, Hertz has canceled the order that it had with Volvo's Polestar EV division and also with some Tesla 
uh, with Tesla to have something like 63,000 EVs incorporated into its fleet of rental cars. Hertz had wanted to be fully electric by now, 2024. Mm. That was their pronunciamento back in 2020. That's not going to happen. And what has happened, though, in real in the real world, though, is that uh, people who would be renting cars did not want to rent EVs. Now, some would. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that nobody ever took them out. But uh, generally, the time, but, yeah. you know, the last thing that you want when you're in a strange city or an unfamiliar city and you're in a hurry, you need to get back to catch your flight uh, is to figure out how you're going to have time to charge up this EV and where you're going to charge it uh, or to be out driving around someplace and you're late for a meeting and you're not sure exactly where you're going to you know, need to be. And you notice that you don't have enough range to get there. It's not something people want to deal with. And Hertz, for its part, does not want to deal with the cost of repairing and insuring these EVs, which is. Uh, many times greater than that uh, which would be the case with non-electric cars. And, of course, there's also depreciation, which is a function of the fact that the batteries don't last that long. And so the vehicle effectively doesn't last that long, and so it isn't worth that much on the uh, secondary market. So they're dumping it. A lot and of things are, uh, are coming to uh, – it's almost like uh, not only just like uh, an allegory or the story of the Titanic, but you can almost think about how, uh, how mushrooms pop up out of the yep. – you know, out of the ground because of the rot in the wood or whatever it is. And yep. it's and, and the rot's actually going on inside it for some time while the mushroom's growing in. Yep. And it's not until the mushroom pops out that you realize, oh, there's a lot of rot in there, isn't there? Yep. You know, that kind uh, of you thing. Know, another way to understand this might be to go back and reflect on what happened with the vaccines. Uh, when it became apparent that, no, they don't prevent you from getting sick. No, they don't prevent you from spreading the sickness. But maybe... Uh, they might uh, reduce the symptoms if you end up getting sick. That's where we are at with the EV thing right now. And there's a massive retrenchment going back, going on in the industry, too. Of course, uh, getting back to Volvo and Polestar, Polestar is done. Uh, oh. The Chinese who own Volvo have decided they're not going to continue bleeding money on this project, and Polestar is now dead. So that's it for Polestar. Um, Ford has dialed back heavily on production of the Lightning. Even GM is beginning to dial back on some of this stuff because they're not selling. People don't want these things, and that's the bottom line. It's interesting how we've been talking about this for a number of years and warning people about, you know, hey, there are certainly some upsides to electric vehicle ownership. If you're a certain type of driver, you know, you're driving around the city, no problem at all. It, It could probably really work for you because... There's uh, most likely uh, an okay charging infrastructure, but that is not the most. That is not most of what yep. goes on in the world, and certainly not the most of what drivers in the United States of America need. Right, and more to the point with regard to that, what you just said, those types of EVs are simply not available. the The low end EVs, the so called affordable ones, are in the thirty five thousand dollar range, and you know that's just ridiculous. Nobody who has any sense is going to spend $35,000 on a short-range city car, EV, when they can go out and buy a Corolla uh, for $17,000 that that does a a better job of being a city car and that's also still capable of being a highway car. What I'm wondering is um, if the uh, SS uh, Titanic or the EV Titanic, if you want to call it that here, Eric, with the, uh, the Titanic EV going down and it's now starting to sink into the water, does this mean then that um, the hybrid ship is going to be floating higher in the water these days? Well, probably. You know, that's one of the things that GM recently came out and said they were going to be pursuing more actively, and it does make sense, and those things do sell because they're perfectly functional and perfectly, uh, you know, reasonable vehicles, and they they do manage to achieve, mostly achieve, compliance with the various edicts that the federal government has come out with. Now, that said, 
uh, there's still a substantial price increase for the average person that, that attends that. You know, typically mm-hmm. uh, a hybrid, especially a plug-in hybrid version of a given vehicle, will cost 3000 ish $4,000-ish more than the same vehicle without the hybrid powertrain. So whether you're going to save any money on that is is dubious. I've wanted to ask you, and I don't know if you know the answer to this or not, if a hybrid ends up losing its hybrid battery, so you have the mm-hmm. gasoline motor in there or the diesel, you can have a diesel hybrid if you wanted, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they make well, not them. not in this country. They don't? Oh, okay. They don't no. make them here, so it's overseas only. Yeah, once again, yeah, that's uh, that's the choice mm-hmm. in the land of the free. But if the battery goes bad in a hybrid, will the rest of the vehicle still still operate? I'm talking of like a, let's say, right, you have a Toyota a Prius, you have something like that, and the battery goes bad, it happens, all right? Yep. Will the rest of the vehicle still operate, or does it require a, a good battery in it to be able to operate, period? Do you know? Yeah, my understanding is it actually does. That the way the car is set up, if the battery deteriorates beyond a certain point, uh, it won't operate any longer unless oh. the battery is replaced. Now, on the upside, because it's a hybrid, the battery is a lot smaller, and it's a lot less costly. So okay. Um, you can get a refurbished battery for a, an older Prius for around a thousand bucks, fifteen hundred bucks or so. So and that's not, reasonable. You know, it's, that see, it, that's a reasonable a aspect of maintenance there. You know, over a number of years. But you know, to say that you're going to have to replace a twenty thousand dollar EV pack on some of these vehicles that that doesn't work, does it? Well, and the other determining, the other important thing to take into account too is that with a hybrid, it probably won't need a battery until it's a pretty elderly vehicle. You know, we're talking about one hundred and twenty, hundred fifty thousand miles of regular use. Whereas with the EV, you might be needing a battery a lot sooner than that. Okay. Talking with Eric Peters, epautos.com. And uh, the article that we're discussing is The Plunge Begins. It makes for great reading, okay? If you wanted to talk with Eric or ask a question about a vehicle or just you know weigh in on some of this, 770-5633. By the way, epautos.com has some great commentary at there. you got some great people writing. And it's, we really uh, do. Yeah. yeah. You know, my, my audience, I uh, love those guys. Uh, they, they inspire me to do what I do, and they often get me thinking about things that I wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. No, something else which is an interesting uh, take. Are we seeing the death of the car stereo these days, or the at least a uh, car stereo that you can go buy in the store? Well, yeah, the death of the aftermarket stereo. Because, you know, if you've been in a new car lately, you know that it has a touchscreen. Uh, mm-hmm. And the touchscreen integrates everything, not just um, the stereo. It's also typically the interface that controls uh, things like the heated seats or the the AC and the heat, uh, the GPS. So it's all bundled together. So it's not like it was in the past when you had a discrete, meaning separate head unit in the car, like my O2 truck, my Nissan truck, uh, you know, the factory stereo was a discrete assembly that could be removed and replaced with an aftermarket stereo, which I did. So I've upgraded my 22-year-old truck with a modern Bluetooth stereo. Well, you're not going to be able to do that probably, uh, you know, down the road with a new vehicle because all of this stuff is, is hooked together and it's proprietary. It's, this is not a standardized kind of a thing. Each one of these automakers has a vested interest in maintaining their proprietary control over their electronics. So, you know, you pretty much are going to get what the car came with from the factory, and you're going to get it as it ages, too. Yeah, this is uh, really, I think, of a concern as time goes on, because everything being bundled into that main touchscreen, has there been an aftermarket or, you know, even kind of a, 
a business, a cottage industry of people refurbishing touchscreens for even maybe 10-year-old vehicles that have touchscreens that go bad because you're getting to the point now where you no longer have a fan switch that you just touch and yep. twist or you're not uh, pushing levers to make the defroster work or anything else. Everything is about touching and swiping on screens. Yep. And so my concern is that as uh, as any electronic device ages, at some point the screen goes bad. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, absolutely. And my understanding is, no, there there is no aftermarket alternative. And, again, it gets back to these things being proprietary. So... You know, each manufacturer has a legal ownership stake in its technology, and so that means that another company can't just go out and and offer a replacement. Now, that may change. You know, the the really sad thing is that when all of this began, if you go back about 20 years, they could have put sort of a universal port in a car, and then you could have put your own uh, iPod or whatever into it, and you could have replaced and updated that as the technology advanced. Well, kind of like the way they – well, the difference between the Apple landscape, so to speak, or the ecosystem, and the way that IBM back in the early 1980s then said, okay, anybody can make cards and plug them into the IBM PC. Kind of that thing, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And, you know, the, the, the irony is that the one thing that really ages quickly these days is the electronics, you know, like a cell phone. You know, whatever you buy right now in 2024, <laughs> five years from now, it's it's going to look like a vacuum tube thing from the 50s, isn't it? Oh, I know. It's so funny. It's like my cell phone is three or four years old. I'm sure if I took, took it into the cell phone dealer, they'd say, oh, that's a dinosaur that you have. You know, that kind of right. thing. Right. Right. So, you know, consider that. You know, you're, you're spending a lot of money on a new vehicle. And, you know, eight, nine years from now, it might be so obsolete, it, you might not be able to receive updates, and you might just not want it anymore because it doesn't do anything that the, the newer vehicles do. Yeah. Whereas with an old truck like mine, I can have literally a stereo that's very comparable to what I would get in a brand new vehicle in my 22-year-old truck. Yeah. Uh, more choices being taken away, but this is all under the guise of, hey, isn't our new vehicle cool? Has it, there been a pushback on that? Uh, are people going to the new car and truck dealers and saying, hey, you know, I'd like like to be able to do things more my own way, or is this just the way it is, Eric? Well, I, the pushback is probably just beginning, and I think that's because people are, generally speaking, just beginning to realize what's been happening, and, and that's because it's been happening so fast. You know, if you went oh. back even five years ago, uh, it, it was generally speaking only the higher-end cars that had these touchscreens and these digital dashboards. Now they all do. And with them all with touchscreens, everybody is going to be in that same situation. Now, a lot of times for the uh, for the luxury car buyer, yeah, they'll probably trade their car in every few years anyway. They don't care. I'll bet. I well, imagine sure, many they, of them. They tend to lease them, actually. So, you know, oh. they'll lease them for three or four years maybe, and then they move on to the next one. Yeah, most people who buy a, a high-end car, a luxury car, tend to lease them, not buy them. The problem, of course, is that the person who next buys or leases the car, you know, is, is probably going to be in a pinch, and I think it's going to result in uh, a, a titanic depreciation in the luxury car market too. Because who's going to want one of these things? It's like who wants to buy a five-year-old smartphone? Well, if, you know, for a long time, though, frankly, I was I was noticing that high-end luxury cars took an incredible depreciation hit mm-hmm. on many of them uh it, it pretty much more than let's say just your standard econo box car at least seemed that way i don't think that's anything unusual do you well it's not unusual and that has to do with the fact that part of what you're getting when you buy uh, a high-end car is that look it's the latest newest thing and it's yeah. got the you know and that that of course it's still true but you've now got the additional problem of uh, the thing not being serviceable. And, and, you know, a person who's looking at potentially buying a used one who isn't that affluent 
can't afford it. So that causes, I think, a double whammy effect of, of depreciation on these things. All right. Eric, you want to stand by and uh, we'll have some people take some questions of, sure. or give you some questions and we'll continue to talk with Eric Peters. Wheels up Wednesday. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The Bill Myers Show is on 106.3 KMED and 99.3 KCMD. Back with Eric Peters on Wheels Up Wednesday, 6.53. Kurt, you've been holding on here, and you have a question for Eric. Fire away. Yeah. Hi, Eric. I was just curious. Hey, Kurt. Um, I was in Southern California last week and saw a car called a Lucend. I think it's L-U-C-I-N-D. Or Lucid. Yeah, that's what it is, Lucid. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about those? They look, I mean, yeah, it it's, an extremely high-end e- it's an extremely high-end EV. Um, I think they start well over $100,000, so it's kind of comparable to something like a, a Tesla S. Oh, okay. I was just, just curious if you'd heard, because it, it really was yep. uh, uh, nice looking, and, and uh, uh, I'd never even heard of anything like that. So yep. that's, that's it. All right. Hey, pr- anything okay. else I can help you out with this morning, uh, Kurt? Uh, no, I have too long a subject, so no, that's all right. Thanks. <laughs> okay, <laughs> a, a longer subject for next time. All right. Uh, thanks for that. Let me go to Bob. Hey, Bob, you're on with Eric Peters. Hey, good morning, Eric, and good morning, Bill. Good morning. The hey, workaround guys. for all of the uh, electronic accessories is you just get you a good, simple boom box and put that in the seat next to you. <laughs> and okay. if your defroster goes out, you go down to Harbor Freight and you get one of those 12-volt accessory heaters, and you can, you know, run that across your dash and get that cleaned up pretty good. So there's a lot of workarounds that we could do for that electronicable stuff. Well, you may yeah, be... just like back in the old Soviet Union. Yeah. They, they learned to do the same things. Yeah, it's like, uh, comrade, uh, defroster doesn't work. Go to Harbor Freight. All right. I love <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. All right. Uh, by bet. the way, I think he uh, Bob was also suggesting a damn this traffic jam uh, bumper for a yeah, uh, yeah, for yeah. a wheels up Wednesday too. Eric, you always uh, have a great opportunity to drive some of the best uh, cars out there right now and, and it's really ironic that with a war on the vehicles right now from the government, we still have some of the best vehicles that are out there and you yep. review them. Uh, what about the 2024 Chevy Colorado truck and uh, what's that Chevy? Uh, doing right now? What do you say? You well, just reviewed yeah, it's, that. It's an interesting story. Uh, first, I'll make a general observation, which is that the the midsize trucks that are available today are, for all practical purposes, full size trucks because the mm. full size trucks that are available today are super sized trucks. Uh, you know, you look at these things; they're enormous, uh, and if you look at their length, uh, they're actually longer than a full size truck, half ton truck, was uh, as recently as the late 1990s, which is quite a spectacular thing. Now, as regards this Chevy Colorado, and it's also the, uh, the same thing, basically, as the GMC Canyon. Used to be you could get it with a V6. Used to be you could get it with a turbo diesel. Used to be you could get it with a, uh, a workhorse 2.5-liter 4 that was just a good truck for a basic truck. Now it only comes with a 2.7-liter turbocharged 4, and uh, not surprisingly, the price of it has gone up by more than $4,000, so really? that it now costs as much as a full-size truck used to cost back in the early 2000s. Does it have the same performance, let's say, though, as the early, as the earlier models with the larger engine, though? Well, it's actually quite comparable. Interestingly, you know, if you dig into it, um, the current model, the, the, the Colorado can tow, I think, 75 or 7,700 pounds. And if you were to buy uh, an early 2000s model Toyota Tundra full-size truck with a V8, uh, it actually only towed about 7,100 pounds. So there's that. You know, and that's great. The problem is these trucks are becoming increasingly unaffordable. 
uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I can't afford to spend thirty something thousand dollars on uh, a truck. Period. It's just it's absurd. My little Nissan pickup, when it was new, cost about fourteen thousand dollars. And let's say if we were to even take that and uh, and put it in today's dollars, maybe a twenty two, twenty three, twenty four thousand dollar vehicle would probably be about what the equivalent would be. Correct. Correct. Exactly. And it's you know it's nice to have all this power and capability. This uh, this two point seven turbo for they vary the output. It, it goes from, I think, 237 to more than 300 and uh, more than 400 foot-pounds of torque. And that's really nice if you can afford it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice to own a 4,000-square-foot house uh, with triple-paned Anderson windows, too. But not everybody can afford that either. Yeah. My concern, though, once again, and we'll continue to bang this uh, bang this cheap gong every week, is that yep. it appears that the the world improvers that uh, run our lives right now in that uh, that monster called government really don't want us with independent transportation. That, that's really our bottom line. And no, you can't no help question it. about it. I, I'm going to have an article that I'll publish tomorrow, which uh, you'll probably be interested in, which is an interesting juxtaposition. Uh, Ford will allow you to buy a regular cab Ranger in Europe that comes standard with a diesel engine, but you can't get that kind of a truck in this country. But you can there. A regular size Ranger. There. Now, when you say regular size, are you talking about the small, the way the Ranger used to be? No, no, no. The current Ranger, like all of the, uh, like all of its, its its rivals, including the Toyota Tacoma, including the Chevy Colorado, they're they're mid-sized trucks, and they're effectively full-size trucks. Now, what's interesting about this Ranger in particular? Regular cab with a nearly eight-foot bed. It's mm-hmm. got a seven-point-six-foot bed. So, for all practical purposes, it's what a full-size truck used to be in this country, but you can't get it here. Wow. Why can't we get the the mini trucks that we used to get? You know, the Nissans, the 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 Volkswagens, the various other things. Why can't we build that, or or are we building something like that? Maybe with the uh, the Maverick, perhaps. Well, it's, Maverick's a separate story. It's really a car-based vehicle that looks like a truck, and I'm not slamming it. I like the Maverick a lot, but okay. it's not really fundamentally a truck uh, per se. And the reason that the manufacturers no longer offer the little trucks anymore from bottom line is because there's just not enough money in them. Oh. You know, the, the major profit center for these for these car companies are these big trucks. Uh, the typical big half-ton truck sells for more than $50,000. a lot of money in that. So they're wanting to, to encourage people who need a vehicle that's capable and can, can do serious work uh, to get a, a half-ton truck at the very least. Even these mid-sized trucks like that Colorado most of them now come only in the crew cab configuration and with a short bed, a five-foot bed. Now, mind you, this truck is the same size dimensionally pretty much as a full-size truck from the 90s. But my little compact truck, my little O2 Nissan Frontier, has a six-foot bed, and so it can carry more stuff in its bed than these current mid-size trucks that are, for all practical purposes, full-size trucks. But you can't – okay, so you can't make as much money. So this is – essentially what they're saying is that uh, the pickup truck world – is uh, fattened up on profit, right? It's just a just a fat profit it's fattened center. Fattened up on debt and financing. You know, people can afford. You know, I put that in air fingers quotes uh, to finance these things for six, seven years. I mean, really, I don't think they can afford it. You know, they're they're making the payments and they're impoverishing themselves thereby, and that's what we've lost. You know, it used to be possible to, to for people, regular people, you know, working people, to go out and buy a little pickup that served their purpose and not have this gigantic albatross of debt draped around their necks. Because I don't need, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I'm just a regular suburban guy, right? You know, I live uh, you know in the suburb or, or the you know, section outside the, the main downtown core. It would be nice to have just 
a, a small or just modest-sized vehicle to be able, okay, occasionally I need to take something over to the transfer station, or I need to get some uh, uh, some uh, some soil from biomass, or you're doing those kind of things, you know, that kind of stuff. And I don't need a full-size monster truck, nor would I want to have a full-size monster truck yep. to get me around from yep. point A to point B. I can't tell you how many 80-pound women I see driving, uh, you know, these behemoths there, that they have to practically get a ladder to get in. And it well, seems that I they're... Need a ladder. What's I, I'm six feet three, and I need a ladder. Yeah, and, and so I'm thinking that this is where the opening is in the market, and I think the uh, the Maverick filled some of that, in which it was a car based kind of uh, with a with a little bed in the back. But I, I think they're kind of missing the boat on this right now. There must be well, some yeah, way to make you know, this at our. At, well, I think it's beginning to occur to them because, as you say, the Maverick has proved to be massively popular. Uh, they're not able to meet the demand. There, there's so much interest in that vehicle, and apparently Toyota has pricked up its ears and noticed. And uh, there's talk of them bringing back a small truck under the Stout label at some point, which I hope they do. And I think I think they're going to do because eventually it's going to get to the point, and I think we're already there, where people are going to say, this is it. I can't do this anymore. I cannot afford to spend fifty or even $30,000 on a truck. I need something more more basic. I need something that costs about 25000 bucks. Um, and I think there's going to be a tremendous market for that going forward. I would agree with you. All right. A couple of minutes after seven. Let me see. Uh, grab a call. It just came in before Eric takes off. Hi, who's this? Good morning. You're on. Greg. Hey, Greg. What are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking that <laughs> they're really not pickup trucks, these full-sized ones. I got a 1971 Dodge that I've had for 100 years with a 318, <laughs> and I... I picked up the single cab rig, and they all these trucks are four doors like a crummy used to be for the loggers. You're, you're right. And that I, is kind of uh, what they've turned into, but at least that kind of a pickup truck, it's sort of a dual-use vehicle, right, Greg? It's not just a, just a pickup truck, per se. Yeah. Well, I can haul anything these new trucks can haul. I put 2,000-pound overloads on the back of that, and I can pull anything they pull. Yeah. All right. Appreciate the call. Yep. Thanks yep. for checking in. I, I, I don't think you'd disagree with what uh, what he was talking about there, Eric, would you? No, no, not at all. Not at all. I just think, you know, the, the macro point here, as I see it, is that we've got a market that's been completely distorted at this point, like to the extent of Funhouse Mirror distorted um, by all of these these government edicts that mm-hmm. are imposing perverse incentives on what's designed and available. Yeah, and uh, so it's difficult to get a really small car because if you're going to have a small car, it better have 40 airbags because you have the safety regulations. And uh, and then, of course, because it's heavy. Uh, well, e- even you have noticed that even the small cars don't really get that great of mileage in many ways because they're heavy. And they didn't oh, used to be. They get to, given all of the, the elaborate technology they have, their mileage is pretty poor. It's arguably terrible. It's pretty sad that here we are in 2024 and the best of them that aren't hybrids maybe get 40 miles per gallon, maybe-ish, on the highway. And 40 years ago, you could get cars that got better than that. Yeah, and that's just it. And it's because of the weight and what has been uh, mandated. It's all because of government regulation. It's not because of the car companies. The car companies, the car companies are doing uh, are doing great things in spite of the government, not because of the government. Maybe that's the way we could uh, wrap this up this morning. It's, it's a good way of looking at it, and a better way, I think, of thinking about it is to try to imagine what we might have if the government weren't involved. You know, imagine if the car industry could really focus on economy and apply the technology that they have right now 
uh, to a vehicle that weighed 1,800 or so pounds, like a Beetle from the 70s weighed. You probably have vehicles that got 70 or 80 miles per gallon. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Uh, anyway, Eric, great talk as always. Wheels up Wednesday, every Wednesday. We're happy to uh, take your calls on that, and uh, we'll wrap up for now, but we'll catch you next Wednesday. EPAutos.com, whole bunch of other great articles in there, too. In fact, uh, maybe next week we can even touch into the, your uh, your feature about why do millennials lean left. <laughs> I'd love to get I thought you'd like that one. <laughs> uh, and it's funny because Gen Z, not quite so much, but uh, the millennial generation certainly seems to be yep. the, uh, you know, the outlier on that. But yep. great talk as always. We'll see you next Wednesday. Take care. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. Five minutes after seven, KMED, KMED, HD1, Eagle Point, Medford, KCMD, Grants Pass. One of each sold VIN 909407, MSRP 216, 3500, due, Sportage VIN 69157, MSRP 3390, 4399, due, 10K miles per year, 0, 